you are now entering the Podglomerate. Hello and welcome to Plus 7 Intelligence. My name is Chess. This is the show about how games impact people. Today we are talking with Paul Darvasi. He is passionate about games and about helping people. He has combined those two passions to create some unique projects. He integrates video games into his classroom, and he studies how games could be used to foster world peace. That is only a minor exaggeration. Listen close and he will challenge what you think about what a game can accomplish. I am here with Paul Darvasi. He researches the topic of video games and education, both in his PhD studies as well as through designing games for his own classroom. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So when did you first consider games as a means or an inspiration for improving education? So I've been a lifelong gamer. I've, I've, I've gamed uh, since I was seven or eight years old, and, and video games have woven themselves in and out of my life. Uh, and I was a teacher. I am a teacher. And I did a master's degree in educational technology about, uh, about 10 or 11 years ago. And um, as I started doing my research, I, I started uh, encountering uh, a bunch of articles and, and books that were starting to look at the possibility of, of using video games for education. And I immediately thought it was a natural fit. And I was particularly interested in history games, games like Civilization and Rome and Total War, because I thought they were a nice fit with history, um, and started guiding uh, my research interests in that area. Uh, and then when I finished the degree, it actually took a while before I started implementing these ideas into my practice. One, because I, I switched uh, from teaching middle school to high school and and no longer taught history and, and focused exclusively on teaching English and media studies. Um, and it was a while before I found uh, a way to create a, a meaningful intersection between what I was teaching, which was English, and video games. Can you tell us a little bit how you you do that? How you're integrating games and teaching English? Sure, uh, I, I I come at it from two ways. Um, I use video games occasionally as part of my repertoire as a text. So the same way that you would use a, a play or a poem or a novel, uh, I'll use a video game, usually a narrative rich video game uh, uh, that my students will play and then discuss anything from setting to character. Um, I, I've had a lot of success with, a with a video game called Gone Home. It's a game that, that takes place in the mid nineties and, and, and is very focused on the life of a family and they have very rich character development in the game. So I've used that a, a, for a number of years in my English class and, uh, with a great deal of success. My students love it. It's a, it's a really rich game to mine for all the types of things that an English teacher would look for in a text, um, in a, in a more traditional text, mind you. So, so I'm really interested in that, and, and increasingly, as as the as the video game uh, scene evolves and multiplies, and we're getting so many different types of games and so many narrative rich games, I think there's a lot of opportunity for us to study storytelling and and storytelling strategies through video games. the The second way that I've incorporated uh, games and 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 video game like mechanics in my class is um, I, I've when I was doing my masters. I encountered a, an article that had a really interesting line that stuck with me that said, 
don't just think about putting video games in your class, but think about how you might turn your class into a video game. And and that phrase stuck with me. I thought, wow, that would be really cool to to turn your you know your classroom into a video game. But there really weren't any models that that I had access to at the time, nor did I did I really uh, you know conceive of how that would look. And years later, while well, I was working on a unit for my grade twelves, and it was you know they were in the throes of the senioritis. It was the end of the year. Uh, there were about you know about a month and a half left of school, and I and I was gonna, going to teach them one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and it was the first time I taught the novel, and I wanted to make it engaging, uh, and and uh, it just sort of hit me that this would be a really interesting book uh, to turn into an immersive game for my students, particularly because I saw some analogies. Uh, between the way that Kesey conceived of his asylum world in the novel and and some 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 aspects of of traditional education, you know the the my students wear uniforms and so did the patients, uh, and you know there it's it's a system that's based largely on authority and and it's coercive and all of these different elements. So so I I, I basically stripped uh, a bunch of video game mechanics like missions and quests and dailies and all kinds of things and used you know everything from some some freely available web 2.0 tools in our email system and and wove it all together to create this immersive 30 day game based around Ken Kesey's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that I've run four or five times and and what it's shown me it's been it's been a, a very very successful experience and the kids absolutely love it and and what it's shown me is that we can learn a lot from video games the way that they engage players the way that they motivate players um the way that they afford freedom and choice um in order to create more stimulating exciting and relevant uh instructional environments whether in 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 school corporate training universities and and we're seeing a little bit of this with with the the idea of gamification. This is this is a term that's really coming to the fore. But I would distinguish uh, gamification from game based learning, and that gamification is really using the 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 motivational apparatus, the the extrinsic you know points and leaderboards and badges and achievements to try to. Uh, motivate and incentivize individuals to reach certain ends. Um, but what, what I find is more meaningful if, if, if you can include, uh, you know, great storylines, narrative, all kinds of, of mechanics, uh, that would be, uh, that would be available, uh, through video games and externalize them to, uh, to, uh, an instructional environment or, or a teaching environment. How do your, your colleagues, maybe other teachers, how do they, how have they reacted to using these unconventional methods and, you know, looking at an unconventional topic like video games? Uh, I, I think I get a variety of responses. I, I don't think anybody's inherently against it. I, I think that, that I, my colleagues are sufficiently open-minded that they, they, they see value in it. Um, but it's, it's, I, I believe that some subjects better lend themselves currently to the use of games than others. For example, I, I, I think teaching something like chemistry, um, I think there's great potential to use games to teach chemistry, but, but I just don't think there's, there's, uh, there's a huge variety of examples and opportunities out there. Um, so I, I feel that, uh, I haven't really you know, sensed any huge degree of skepticism or resistance to the idea. And in fact, I have been approached by, by some of my colleagues and asked me, Hey, how do you think I could, 
I could incorporate a video game or a game into my, my classroom. And it actually led to a great collaboration with one of our history teachers where we, we used Rome Total War, um, uh, uh, Rome II Total War, actually, which uh, despite the, the very violent and aggressive sounding name uh, is, is, a, is a really great strategy game that is really rich with historical, accurate historical details um, about life in, in the Roman Empire, particularly under Caesar. And we used an expansion um, called the Gallic Wars to focus particularly on Caesar's account of the Gallic Wars and, and, and created a wonderful unit together. And he's somebody who doesn't play video games at all. And, and, and was, was, it was great that he would, uh, you know, leave his comfort zone and try something new. And I think that, that he felt very positively about the experience and, and the students certainly enjoyed it. So I, I would say overall, there, there, there's, there certainly isn't a negative attitude towards my use of games. And I think that they, they see it works for me and, and the things that I've done, they find really interesting. I'm just not sure if they've figured out a way to incorporate it into their own practice or if they're really motivated to do that. If, if they're, they're having success with the way that they've done things and they're kind of comfortable with the way that they've done things. Um, they may not uh, necessarily run to something new and unfamiliar. I do find that some of the younger teachers who have experiences with video games or, or teachers that do have video games in their life certainly are much more interested and curious about it and, and would more likely be willing to, to use it in their practice. There's been a lot of talk about incorporating games into education, but what particularly interested me in talking to you was it seems like you're you're looking into ways that are on a kind of a deeper level about what can be learned or developed or improved through video games. The the paper that you wrote that that I found and you know, led me to you, the title of it is Empathy, Perspective and Complicity: How Video Games Can Support Peace Education and Conflict Resolution. So it's clearly more than just learning a little bit about history or historical setting. It's really going on kind of a deeper emotional level. How can video games support peace education? And are there special benefits that video games kind of bring to the table in supporting peace education? I, I believe so. I think that, like anything else, even in education, games aren't a magic bullet. We're not gonna we're not gonna gain world peace through video games. That's for sure. But they're an important and relevant part of the toolbox. Um, increasingly, uh, you know, video games are being looked at for any number of areas uh, in in social justice and for the betterment uh, of, of humanity. Whether they're games for health, where you're helping kids manage things like diabetes through games on their phones, or or games that that are teaching kids how to how to practice safe sex and 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 avoid the pitfalls of sexually transmitted diseases. Um, there are games that give us insight into the life of a, of an impoverished Nepalese village and, and, and allows us to walk in, in the footsteps and make decisions of the individuals who, who are undergoing those circumstances. So I, I think that we've, we've clearly and cleanly moved away from a very narrow conception of video games. One is purely a form of entertainment. And, and as they're sometimes seen as a very negative or corrupt form of entertainment. Um, so my, my area, my interest in this area started with, with, with looking at how games 
um, can commemorate the past, how we could how we can bring up elements of, of difficult knowledge from our past mistakes that we've made as a, you know, in humanity visiting things like the Holocaust, which is which is a very, very difficult subject matter and, and, and looking at the possibility for games to 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 look at these difficult subjects. And then was approached by uh, the UNESCO MGIEP office, the, the Mahatma Gandhi Institute of Peace for Educational and Sustainable Development. And, and they asked if I was interested in writing what was called a working paper. It's essentially a, a report uh, on some, something to do with video games and peace and sustainable development. So I started exploring the idea of, of, of peace education and conflict resolution and did a lot of research. And, and discovered there isn't a lot of empirical, I mean, substantial uh, research in that area. A few studies were floating around. So I did research into how games can support empathy, um, cultural understanding, and brought it all together in this report that looks at, at the potential uh, for video games to support the goals of uh, peace education and conflict resolution. Um, and they're two slightly different things, right? Because peace education is, is, is what it sounds like is where you educate individuals. Um, they don't just have to be school children on, on what are the roots of violence? What perpetuates violence and how, how do conflicts grow and how are they sustained? And therefore, what are some strategies that you can use to reduce conflict, to, to, to avoid conflict? Um, and generally, uh, you know, creating a, a curriculum or, or an educational uh, environment that looks at ways to 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 manage uh, conflict and 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 promote you know the the ideas of peace. Whereas conflict resolution is is when you do have hostile parties, you have some kind of intergroup aggression, and and where you're actually sitting down and trying to to intervene or or to work through. Uh, the conflict in order to arrive at at some kind of a resolution or at least an improvement in the situation. So I, I looked at how how games could support both of these areas, and at the core of it, one of one of the keys to all of this, of course, is empathy. Um, being able to walk a mile in somebody's shoes, I think you have a little bit a better understanding of what their motives are and what what their circumstances are. And therefore, uh, it brings human beings closer together. And when human beings are brought closer together and reminded that you may be from another country, you may be on the other side of a fence or a wall, but, but fundamentally your life and my life are, are very similar. And, 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 and therefore, uh, you know, that those are, there's common ground by which we can, we can arrive at some kind of a, a peaceful resolution. So the question is, how do games do this? How do games promote empathy? Well, um, in the past, whether through through film or through books, um, there, there are spectatorial forms of media. When you watch a, an emotional film, you might be very moved by that, but you're still sitting and watching something that's happening outside of yourself. And it doesn't have the same degree of cognitive and psychological and emotional involvement then when you're making decisions and those decisions have consequences, when you're when you're in a world that responds to your actions and this is what video games do very very well um when you are when you are in the world of the game um you you know there's a there's a cause and effect at play that's based on your agency on your free will to make decisions and this has the ability to really help you see how uh you know different situations play out um and and it really gets you into the mindset of a certain place or a certain person 
and can certainly help um, uh, maximize uh, opportunities uh, for empathy. Um, a great example is for is uh, a game called Hush. It's a very small game. It's it's available for free, um, and it was developed by two students at USC. And and you play the role of a, of a Tutsi mother during the Rwandan uh, genocide, and you are hiding with your baby. and And there's a Hutu patrol, a hostile Hutu patrol, um, looking for any any Tutsi survivors uh with with the intent of killing them and and as you're hiding you're holding a child and and you're you, the objective is to keep the child from crying so you have to sing a lullaby and the game you know kind of lets you play around with a keyboard and you have to synchronize with these materializing letters in order to sing the baby a lullaby and keep your baby pacified and not draw the attention of this patrol well, it, it, the game is very simple, and it's got these very dark uh, sort of tones to it. But as you start playing, it, the, the, the idea of, of, of hitting keys and, and, and matching up with these materializing letters, it's not a very difficult thing to do. But as you're trying to do this, there are these horrible sounds of people being killed and begging for their lives and all of these things outside. And and it really you know makes you feel quite anxious. And as you as you feel anxious, you start stumbling around on the keyboard and your lullaby isn't very good, and the baby starts crying. And eventually, uh, the first couple of times I played, anyway, the Hutu patrol uh, finds you, and the screen goes red, and and presumably uh, you are your your life is taken from you. So that's an example where you really th- there's no comparison between playing a, a a game and 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 the the horrors endured by people who are in these circumstances. But it really does a good job of opening up a window into their reality. And that, that emotion of anxiety, that sense of, of trying to preserve your life and the life of a child, really helps you create an emotional bridge between your reality and, 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 and this kind of representation of, of, of this, the, the circumstances of this victim. And I feel in terms of peace education, that's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to have students play a game like that and maybe, you know, read a short story or watch a film. And it's part of a, an educational repertoire that can really involve them in the emotional elements of, of the circumstances that, that people endure. Because often, you know, we're, we're, we, we read facts and, and, and we get kind of this, this glazed over version of events that newspapers and news broadcasts tend to transmit. You know, they're limited in space, they're limited in time. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're being told about this devastating situation in Sudan, and it's, it's a one-minute news clip. Whereas uh, a game will, will take you to, to the place, it'll, it'll, it'll create a sense of the setting, it'll, it'll add music, it'll add sound. It's a multimedia experience that involves you and therefore, it allows you to better understand uh, the other, right, and the circumstances of the other. And that's that's one way um, that games can can foster empathy and understanding uh, for 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 the circumstances that that afflict people uh, around the world. Um, another interesting element about using video games, particularly for conflict resolution, is when when relations break down either on an individual level with you and you know and a friend that you know you have a falling out or a relative when you when you break off regular contact with the other person the 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 animosity and the negativity tends to create very disproportionate ideas of the other you kind of focus very much on the negative and tend to blow that out of proportion and forget 
whatever good things are you know uh, may be occurring uh, on the other side of that of that separation. So what what games allow for is well ideally you can bring the two parties together, right? I mean when you have two countries at war, the first step is to bring representatives from the two countries to a negotiation table and start talking and start seeing each other and start sharing their experiences and their grievances with the idea of of um of of coming to some kind of a resolution the problem is in in intractable conflicts for example like the situation we see between the israelis and the palestinians um it's really difficult to get people to the negotiation table it's really difficult to get parties from both sides to to actually meet face to face and and video games Tonight on NBC. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Thank you. You're all fired. Based on an inspiring true story. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. One doctor will break every rule. Just tell me what you need, what your patients need. To inspire a revolution. Let's get into some trouble. Let's be doctors again. From the network that brings you This Is Us, New Amsterdam, tonight on NBC. Offer these these multiplayer environments, these almost immersive virtual worlds that might actually be a first step for people to meet, where they don't actually physically have to share the same room, and a, and a simulation could do the same thing. Um, and this is part of a, a school of thought that's called virtual peace education, where you can use virtual spaces in in order to allow people to meet. Uh, and therefore, um, it's almost inching closer together without necessarily having a full-on face-to-face discussion, but meeting in a, in a virtual space, interacting perhaps in a positive way in that virtual space, um, in the space of a game, and, and then therefore opening the door for further interactions. Um, and it's a more gradual process to do this. And and what's really interesting is they've they've done studies that have found that when you get people that 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 have some kind of antipathy or negative feelings for each other, and you put them on the same team, even in a violent video game, so even even in a you know in a Call of Duty style game, if you've got people that don't that would have negative feelings towards each other, and then you put them on the same team and they have to work together to a common end, even if it's a violent end, that they actually end up having better feelings for each other, that it creates a certain bond between them that helps them overcome some of the negativity that surrounds them. So so those are just a few ways that, that games provide nice kind of virtual spaces uh, in order to start a process of, of peace education and, and, and conflict resolution. It's amazing to me that most of the time when we're talking about games, we talk about what's the newest thing, what's fun, what's exciting and different but we're usually talking about it just in the context of this is just something i do for fun it's something that i do to escape and to kind of avoid real problems but what you're talking about is really fascinating because you're you know you're saying that you could use games to be a tool to actually address some real deep-seated issues. You know, when we talk about empathy, you know, that's something that's tied to, you know, a person's character and talking about conflicts and that's tied to culture and deep-rooted prejudices. And it's amazing to me that games, the thing that we use to, you know, sometimes escape our own problems 
could be used to actually make a difference in in the world than in real problems. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's it's uh, it's you know, I, I'd like to think that most of the problems we have in this world is really just because we don't understand each other. I think I think if we better understood each other and better understood each other's unique circumstances and what leads us to certain practices or certain behavior, um, that we would be much more forgiving and understanding and the, the world would be a better place. I, I, I firmly believe that ignorance is at the root of most of our problems and, and, and not you know, a lack of education perhaps, you know, plays into that, but but really a lack of exposure is is the big problem, right? I mean, um one of the games that I discuss at length, which is a, a game I'm really fond of, is is uh nineteen seventy-nine Revolution Black Friday. And what this game looks at uh is the the Ira- the Iranian Revolution, the revolution in Iran in nineteen seventy-nine. And um and it takes you on the ground as a photojournalist, this young Iranian guy who's taking pictures and trying to work his way through through the the kind of ideological clashes that are going on in Iran at the time. And the developers of the game, uh Navid Kansari and his team, uh, put a lot of attention to detail. Now, Navid's background is Iranian and he he brought he brought um, you know family pictures and 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 footage and 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 they interviewed many many people who were actually present uh, for the conflict um, and as a result they created a very very rich and detailed picture of Iran the Iranian people and Iranian culture um, and when you play this game it's only about three hours long and, and there's a lot of moral decisions you have to make and ethical decisions and they're very difficult decisions you know they're not the kind of decisions we make in peacetime uh, we have I think we have the the, the luxury in a, in a time of peace to make you know decisions that are good or bad right but I think when you're in a in a war situation or a situation of conflict sometimes all the decisions are bad it's just you have to pick the lesser of all evils and the game does a great job of of bringing you to that to that reality to bring you to the to the kinds of conflicts and and difficult circumstances confronted by people uh in 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 that type of situation but what it does really well is it really shows us the 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 beauty and and the complexity of Iranian culture and and unfortunately um, in in the modern world, we you know when we're exposed to to other cultures through very narrow uh, media uh, and news uh, mitigated representations, um, it's easy to to reduce a culture to something like good or bad or evil. You know the the North Koreans are bad, the Iranians are bad, and 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 this type of thing without really understanding at all that these are massive complex cultures that are made up of. Millions of people, all who have a range of different views and emotions, and and I think that what what games can do very well is that they can at least give us windows into those realities, and, and in a way that television um, and even literature can't do. I mean, literature is wonderful, and I and I I'm, a, I'm my background's in literature, and I think in many ways it does things that no other medium can do. Um, but I do find that there are unique features to the ways that video games are designed and the allowances, the affordances that video games give you in terms of experiencing an immersive environment, of exciting the senses, of, 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 of increasing your heart rate, um, of interacting with people, like actually being able to have a conversation with somebody in a video game where they're responding to your words and your ideas and you're given choices in terms of how you want to navigate that world. All of that is very, very different than anything we've seen 
um, in any medium in the past. And it's very much, you know, a representation of how we think and we act in a modern, interactive, participatory world. Um, so, so I, I do feel that, that in order to create a better understanding of other cultures and other people, which is a pillar of peace education and also a pillar of conflict resolution, uh, you know, if you're, you're less likely to feel really negative about somebody if you understand some nuances about their circumstances and their life and their culture and their beliefs and, and the love that they have for their family is the same as the love you have for your family. And, and, and I think that games can, are, are starting to do a very good job of, of opening those windows. And perhaps, um, you know, ultimately they're going to be used as one way to help us understand each other and make the world a better place. A lot of us have probably have our own experiences with educational games. A lot of people have probably enjoyed Oregon Trail and Carmen San Diego, but otherwise, are unimpressed with the educational game landscape. Can you point to some games that, you know, maybe can, you know, might change people's minds about how a game can simultaneously address all these heavy issues, but still be uh, a game that is enjoyable to play? Sure. That's such a great point. I mean, we, we all know that they're, they're, you know, growing up, um, a game you played in school or an educational game really was, did not live up to the standards of the types of games you'd play at home on your console or on your computer. And, and uh, there's a name for that. We call it chocolate covered broccoli, where a kid will, will, will take this, you know, this game and he knows uh, they're, they're trying to teach me something. This game isn't really about entertainment. It's about school. And they've, they've, you know, they maybe they've, they've added zombies and I've got to, you know, I've got to blast these math formulas. And, but the, the nice thing is, is that increasingly the two worlds are meeting in a credible way. Um, the first thing I'm a big fan of using commercial games, games that were actually made for entertainment, that their primary objective is for you to go home and have fun. And, and because video games are becoming so sophisticated and there's so many people making so many great games and they're, they're becoming much more experimental, much more artistic and game designers who have a great sense of how to make an entertainment game and the tradition of a, of a successful commercial game also have strong feelings about issues or, or want to tell great stories. So there's, there's many, many opportunities to leverage, um, you know, commercial games for the purposes of education. Um, just some examples that come to mind are games like The Stanley Parable, um, Gone Home, uh, Her Story, Depression Quest. Um, and and the, now Depression Quest wasn't necessarily made as a commercial game. It deliberately had the 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 I guess the purpose of putting you in the shoes of somebody who suffers from depression. Um, one game that I discuss in my paper is This War of Mine, which is a really fun game to play, and it really puts you in the shoes of a group of survivors in a war zone where you're not the combatant, you're not the soldier or the sniper. You're just the poor guy who's, you know, whose life has been blown up and you're scavenging for food and medical supplies and, and trying to, to keep some kind of life going while, while all hell's breaking loose all around you. So, um, so there, what, what's happening is, is one commercial games, um, are becoming more complex and therefore more interesting. And you can use those, um, depending how you want to for, for educational purposes. But also there's a big movement called the serious games movement where, um, games are being designed, yes, deliberately for educational or social justice purposes, 
but um, the background of these designers are are sufficiently sort of versed in, in in what a commercial video game is and what makes a video game good and entertaining that they're becoming good games in their own right. And I feel that a game like 1979 Revolution Black Friday is, is a game that has, you know, all of what makes a commercial video game great, but it also has some really important lessons to teach us. So, so going back to, to your original question, there, there are some really, really bad educational games and, and that's, and we've, we've, We've grown up with some of those, right? And we understand that, you know, we, we would love to be playing, um, you know, you know, triple A commercial games like, like Fallout, you know, Fallout 3 or Fallout 4 at school. Um, but, but those aren't the kinds of games that tend to get into schools. Um, and, but I think that we are moving into a world where we're learning how to make games very, very well. And we're going to find that, that holy grail of combining the engaging and, and entertaining qualities that make commercial games such a such a such a successful venture that really make people want to play them, with all those great, uh, you know, sort of uh, educational and social justice objectives uh, to make you know people think a little bit about other people and their situations and and make them think about how they themselves how we um contribute to the problems of the world and how we can make the world a better place to change those attitudes and behaviors in order to make better citizens uh of people. You know, you've talked about how commercial games some intentionally and maybe even some without that design intention have have the potential to inform people and educate and change people's perspective. So I have to ask what have video games taught you do you think that they've made a difference in your life and your perspective oh absolutely <laughs> at, a, at a just at a really funny level um i don't know if you've played civilization uh, civilization is one of my favorite games it's a turn-based strategy game you start 4000 bc at the beginning of time you've basically got a wagon and and you start building you know a town and it turns into a city and then you build lots of cities and then it's it's essentially a world history simulator um and it takes a lot of organization so so you're you're you know you're 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 organizing your your finances and you're organizing your your troops and your buildings and you spend a lot of time organizing so i find sometimes you know on a sunday afternoon if i've had the opportunity to play for a few hours as soon as i finish playing the game i feel compelled to start organizing my closet or start organizing my shoes so at a very at a very practical level it's funny how your brain gets into organization mode because of this game that that really has you thinking a certain way um but on on a very personal level yeah games have have made me think a lot about a lot of different things you know one i think resilience i i i feel that that to succeed in a game you have to fail um and and you have to fail over and over and over again before you master a certain concept or some some action becomes automatic and i definitely feel that i'm more comfortable with failure and and willing to take more risks perhaps uh, because of my uh, experience with games, um, that I, I I I realize that in order to get anywhere in life, you really have to put yourself out there, and it's not always going to work out the way that you want it to. And we tend to see successful people um, at the at the kind of at their most successful, and we think, well, this is you know this they've always been this way. But I think if you dig underneath every success story, you're going to see a, a road paved uh, by failure right? And by mistakes and by misdirections. And, and I think that video games remind us of that. Um, and, and they also tell us that to, in order to master something, you've got to do it over and over and over again. 
I feel that that games have uh, have really incurred as a teacher. It's really changed me because I, I understand why I like games. I like choices. I like the dynamic element of games. I like the way that, that they're creative. And it makes me think about how can I import this into my classroom? How can I import this in my practice? So, you know, the Cuckoo's Nest game that I spoke about at the beginning of our, of our discussion, that was inspired entirely by, by my love of video games. And, and I do feel like many scholars uh, feel the same way, that, that video games are not just another form of entertainment or, or something trivial that they're actually going to become a structuring part of all of our culture, that we're going to see more game-like behavior in, 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 in many facets of life. Um, because they are, you know, they, they, so many people play games and they've become such a big part of the minds of our, of our, of our youth, well, not even youth culture anymore. I think a lot, of, a lot of people who've grown up with games that are now in their 30s and 40s have, have, have a sense of that. And, and the same way that, you know, the factory was kind of the symbol of, of the industrial revolution and, and the factory produces items and, 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 and influence culture. I mean, schools are the products of factories and hospitals and asylums and prisons. They all have a very factory like element to them because the, the, the factory was such an important symbol, um, of the industrial age and an important paradigm of the industrial age. And similarly, um, because computers are, are these dynamic, uh, you know, rule-based uh, entities, games are a natural fit with computers. Games are an extension of a computer society, more so than, you know, they're, they're a system that works well with computers. So if computers are at the heart of our society, which they are, and, you know, we're, 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 we're an absolutely becoming even more of a digital culture. Um, what we're seeing in video games is the ex the artistic expression, the cultural expression of a computer, and therefore it's likely that a lot of that is going to start permeating our lives as computers become even bigger and more important than they have been in the past. Wow, great! Thanks for uh, for sharing all that. Really given <laughs> uh, given me and the listeners uh, a lot to think about. So, what's the best way for listeners to find a, find out? more about you and your work so uh my i i, I have a blog uh called ludiclearning.org uh where i i talk about games and learning and i share my experiences i believe in sharing everything i'm i i any any experience i've had in the classroom i, I very openly share with any teacher that is interested and share my lesson plans and and my experiences so that you can get that at, at uh, ludiclearning.org if you want to read the paper that I wrote, um, you can go to the UNESCO MGIEP site, the Mahatma Gandhi Institute of Education uh, for Peace and Sustainable Development. And or you can Google my name, Paul Dervazi, and there's a bunch of articles that I've written for MindShift and, and other publications about game-based learning and, and, and how games can make a difference in the world. Great. And I will link to all those in the show notes for any listeners who are interested. So thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show. I am so happy that you invited me, and it's been really nice to be on your show, Chess. Thank you very much. My conversation with Paul was packed with lots of ideas and information. So there are just some things that I want to highlight. First, it may seem a pie in the sky to talk about games being used to solve real problems, but Paul is coming from a unique place. He has done all of his research into psychology and educational theory for his paper about games, but he also has hands-on experience with creating games and running games in his own classroom. So he has a top-to-bottom perspective 
on solving problems with games. So his optimism really means something. And second, it's amazing to me the multitude of different ways that we talked about video games in this episode. Uh, just in this one conversation, we have seen that games can be like literature, uh, something to discuss and analyze. They can be a teaching tool or an environment that engages people in learning. Uh, it can be a means to explore culture. And they can be a way to build bridges between people. And they can help develop character. And so that's five ways that video games can make the world a better place. And I'll bet your parents didn't think video games could be any of those things. And as if that's not enough, I asked Paul what he has been up to since we recorded the interview. And his latest project is he is researching, he's researching integrating GTA 5 into a classroom as a way to explore race, gender, violence, and political ideology. So that sounds really intriguing, and I told him that I was very interested in updates on that, so so don't be surprised if you hear more from Paul in the future. That wraps up another Intelligence Boost. The next episode of Plus 7 Intelligence, which is available right now, is with Josue Cardona. We talk about how he uses video games in his work as a mental health counselor. You don't want to miss it. I'll talk to you then. The Podglomerate, a sonic universe.